Louder! This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kangabanga from down under, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy, howdy, mother lickers. And of course, Mr. Slick Nick. How y'all doing? Today we have a doozy of an episode, but first, it's time for your slice of life. Brody, how goes it? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all, Mr. Bowser. Um, I honestly can't even think what the fuck I did this week. Dare say it would have been fuck all. Uh, nothing really stands out to me other than the fact that I worked all week. Oh, actually, no, I lie. I treated myself to a vinegar syndrome release. Bill Condon's sister, sister. Yes. And I'm fucking pretty stoked to get that motherfucker and watch that bad boy because we love you know dead me kids as well as TJ does. What's yeah. that? We we are huge fans of his other work, not Twilight, uh, Dead Kids, Strange Behavior, <laughs> uh, that film, and of course, uh, Strange Invaders. His earlier yes. horror work is just so cool. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And to see him actually be a writer and then come out as, well, well this is his first dec- uh, directorial debut, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he uh, flexes his creative muscles with this bad boy. So I'm very stoked. And uh, I think TJ sold me on it when he said it's a Southern Gothic tale. So, yes. you know, me and my Gothic, Gothic genres, I fucking love and I froth them. So, <laughs> no, very, very interested to see how that film plays out. But the other twist than that, is going to rock you, man. Oh, it's got a twist. It's got a twist and it, hit, it hits hard. About halfway Ooh, through, wow. you're like, you start to figure out some stuff. And then at the end, you see Eric Stoltz act his ass off. And you're like, yeah! <laughs> Stoltzy. Yeah. yeah, fucking, well, I am looking for, uh, you know me, I love a yes. good fucking twist. It's just like this film, old boy. But yeah, other than that, um, fuck all in my neck of the woods. What about you, Slick Nick? Not a ton, not a ton. Uh, it started snowing again here, so we kind of got locked in uh, for a little bit again. Um, so I have just been mostly at home watching stuff. I watched this. It got me in the mood to watch more Korean films again. So I ended up rewatching Parasite. Um, Ooh, God, I love that movie. That movie's so good. <laughs> um and I, I think I'm probably going to end up rewatching uh, Raid and the Raid 2 mm. this weekend, which uh, I believe they're Indonesian films, but they are yes. s- some fantastic action movies as well. The first one is Quick one of my question, favorite movies. Uh, foreign film sidebar while we do this. Are you hmm. have you watched the early 2000s J horror stuff like Ringu like the original yeah, Ring and stuff like that? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, the late 90s, early 2000s Japanese stuff I, I really like as well. That's when it gets into like Asian horror or anything like yeah. that. That's pretty much all of my knowledge. It's just that okay. early 2000s J horror stuff and maybe some more modern stuff. And that's only because of Shudder. That makes yeah. sense. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, I'd say I, I, I really like. Uh, just the the late '90s, early 2000s kind of East Asian movie, action, horror, all that. Clearly, story. I, you I picked know. this one. Yeah, I would say this is <laughs> this is the introduction. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would say that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. So that's probably what I'm going to continue doing this weekend. Uh, what about you, TJ? Well, I did a lot of podcasting stuff, and I dropped the audio for our first episode so we're recording the third i just dropped the first episode for night of the demon uh earlier this morning and it's out to all the distribution platforms now uh, i'm excited for everyone to go listen to it and see how yens respond yeah it's, it's exciting i put a lot of work into it so enjoy but i have phenomena from synapse slash arrow films coming on monday and i got some new switch stuff in today and then i went and got pokemon i think it's shining pearl it, which is a remake of a Gen 4 game from uh, the Game Boy Advance, I think. And it's for the Nintendo Switch. I don't know. I'm really into Pokemon now since I got Pokemon Arceus, so I've been playing through those games again. It's cool. I feel like uh, I'm 12 years old again. It's dope. Anyway, anyway, watched a bunch of movies 
this week and not going to bore you with them. But what I will do is talk about this week's film. And that is Nick's pick. And it is 2003's Old Boy. Director Park Chan-wook, who also did Joint Security Area in 2000, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance in 2002, which is the prequel film, correct? Yes, it is a trilogy called the Vengeance Trilogy, and the next one is the sequel. Lady Vengeance 2005, and also The Handmaiden in 2016. Writers, and I apologize for any mispronunciations now, Park Chan-wook, Jun Hyang Lim, and Jo Hyang Hwang, who did the screenplay, and those are adaptations of the manga created by Garen Toshia and Nobuyaki Minagishi. Cinematographer, Chung Hoon Chung, who also did Record in 2000, It in 2017, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho in 2021, and the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. That trailer made me cry like a little boy. (laughs) Still yet to see. Man, I'm ready for that one. I God, I love the cinematography in this. That's gonna be so good. (laughs) Yes, sir. Music by Hyung Wook Jo, who also did did Bloody Beach in 2000, New World in 2013, and A Taxi Driver in 2017. Art director, Xiong He Ryu, who also did Memories of Murder in 2003, Thirst in 2009, and Crazy Alien in 2019. Producers, Dong Jo Kim and Dong Ju Kim and Sid Lim. Makeup, Jong Hee Song, who also did Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance in 2002, Coin Locker Girl in 2015, and Uchu Sentai Kaiyu Ranger in 2018. That's the Power Rangers of Japan. Oh. It would be a good time to mention that I am hopping over to the Beetle Bros camp once again to record a Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger special, and I am super excited. It's going to be a fun time. Yes, We're going to have fun. For sure. Budget, $3 million USD. Starring Choi Min-sik as Daesu Oh, who also was in Phelan in 2001. I saw the devil in 2010. And Lucy in 2014. Yuji Tai as Woo Jin Lee, who also starred in Ditto in 2000. Midnight FM in 2010 in the house that Jack built in 2018. Kang Hai Jung as Mido, who starred in The Butterfly in 2001. Welcome to Dong McCall in 2005 and Lucid Dream in 2017. Kim Byung Uk as Mr. Han, who starred in I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay in 2006. Kong's Family in 2013, and A Violent Prosecutor in 2016. Han Ji as No John Juan, who starred in The Foul King in 2000, Open City in 2008, and The Accidental Detective in 2015. Dao Su Ho as Park Chao Wong, who starred in The Blade of the Phantom Master in 2004, sounds like a jallo, The Good, The Bad, The Weird in 2008, Detective K, Secret of the Living Dead in 2018. Shu Shen Li as Hyo Hyang Jia, who starred in Charisma in 1996, Addicted in 2000. The Mafia, The Salesman, 2007. Last but not least, Jin Sin Hyun as Lee Soha, who starred in Bus Stop in 2002, Voices in 2007, and The Girl Who Sees Smells in 2015. God, what cinema that is. Nick? Abducted on a rainy night in 1988, the obnoxious drunk Odesu, much to his surprise, wakes up locked in a windowless and dilapidated hotel room for an unknown reason. There, his invisible and pitiless captors will feed him, clothe him, and sedate him to avert a desperate suicide. And as his only companion and a window to the world is the TV in his stark cell, the only thing that helps Odesu keep going is his journal. Then, unexpectedly, after 15 years in captivity, the perplexed prisoner is deliberately released, encouraged to drag down his tormentor to finally get his retribution. However, who would hate Odesu so much he would deny him a quick and clean death? Awards! It won a cuppa. And that includes the Cannes Film Festival Award, the Palme d'Or nominee. Cannes Film Festival Grand Prix, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Awesome Film Critics Association Best Foreign Film, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Korean Film Awards Best Film, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Korean Film Awards Best Director, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Korean Film Awards Best Cinematographer, nominee. Saturn Awards Best Action Adventure Film, nominee. Boys, let's get physical! And we have a release from Tartan Video that was dropped November 6, 2007, and is rated R. 
It has a resolution of 1080p and an aspect ratio of 235 to 1. And it features the audio of Korean DTS HD Master Audio 7.1 for your Atmos motherfuckers. And of course, English for the Dolby Digital 5.1. Subtitles, of course. And a director commentary, director and cast commentary, director and cinematographer commentary. That is three commentaries for the price of one. Original trailer, deleted scenes, and optional commentary. Behind the scenes, documentary. We got five of them, guys. Count them, five of them. Making the film, the cast remembers, production design, the music score, CGI documentary, and the flashback. Cast and crew interviews in a featurette. Le Grand Prix at Cannes. Boys, take it away. Park Chin Wook in a conversation with the audience about Old Boy. When asked in an interview if he's violent like his films, director Park Chan-wook states, I haven't had any experiences like that. I'm just the opposite, except in my childhood. I fought physically only once. I suppressed my anger and hatred all my life. Maybe that's why I want to show these things in film. It's exhilarating, you know? During the scene in the sushi bar in which Ode Su orders something alive, four octopods were eaten by the actor. Octopods or octopods? It's what it said. It literally said octopods. I I guess that is the uh, plural. (laughs) Yep. Okay, cool. We'll go with that. That's not a TV uh, show from the 90s. Occupies! Occupies! <laughs> okay. <laughs> While the practice of eating live octopus is common is a common place in South Korea, this caused some controversy upon the film's release. Actor Choi Min-sik is actually a practicing Buddhist, which required him to pray after eating each octopus. Once the film was released and won the Grand Prix at the Cars Film Festival, director Park Chan-wook thanked the octopods alongside the cast and crew. Fucking hey, that scene was pretty cool, though. Yeah, I would say, uh, I think in one of the interviews, they asked him if he felt bad uh, for the actor, and he said, no, I, I felt bad for the octopus. <laughs> and that's fair. That is fair. Yeah. So Chen Wook goes on to talk about when the film's visual style was defined. Uh. Bef- oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we do the storyboard, the visual style is decided. The writing of the script is based upon this style. The instructions change according to the visual style. The instructions were very short for Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. The descriptions were not detailed. They were short sentences. The instructions for Old Boy were longer. The descriptions were relatively detailed. The visual style of the finished film is decided before writing the script, and that affects the writing style. We also have Chan talking about why there are so many images of hands throughout the film. It's a weird fucking question, but anyway. At the dam, Wu Jin releases Sohan's hand. That's the origin of all the hand images. We could have saved his sister, but he released her hand. That was the beginning of the tragedy, and that's why I used hand images. Chen Wook then elaborates about a psychologist uh, that said sympathy for Mr. Vengeance was a flop because it was too real for the audience. I wanted to make something that felt too real. I said from the start that I wanted the film to be felt physically, not just emotionally. I wanted the audience to be tired when they finished the film. I wanted their bodies to be tired. I thought people would love that. I like that kind of experience. I don't know how people can find any fun in watching mindless films. If you want a peaceful rest, have a bath. Why go to the cinema? I wanted a tiring film. I suppose it was a success in that sense. There's a movie where... It's an Asian film of some kind, and it has a dude fall into a pool, and then a flood happens, and an alligator crawls in with him. And then the pool drains, and he's stuck in the, this massive like Olympic swimming pool with this alligator and has to escape. It's actually a really good film. I would watch that. <laughs> the whole entire film, it's just he's stuck in a pool with an alligator. And he's escaping, yeah. It's crazy. It works so well. Okay. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch I'd watch that. I'd absolutely watch that. That's like this film. I could have just watched the whole entire film of him being in this fucking room. It's just a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It just, scenes in this reminded me of that because like him breaking through the wall there's a scene where he like tries to go mm. through the drain and he like sticks his head in the drain <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got like the light coming yeah. in from the okay yeah yeah it's really- you see him crawl out the other side and it's just uh shawshank redemption yeah <laughs> <laughs> Crawled through a river and shit. So, where are we? <laughs> so, in an interview with actor Choi Min Sik, he is asked if the incest theme worried him at all. He goes on to state, Of course it did. I am a Korean living in South 
Korean society. In this cultural environment, I was expecting to hear Korean people's disgusted responses. If we censor ourselves, discourage our creative desire and restrict ourselves, there's no growth. The director and the actors created work, the director and the actors creative workers should not think of the consequences. I'm talking about principles. It is fate. You can't deny it. The creator always wants to make what they want. The producers and the distributors limit the desire. They have to think about the audience. So, other than simply a direct adaptation of the old boy manga, the film also draws inspiration from several classical stories, which are also hinted at throughout the movie, some more obvious than others. Old Boy pulls from The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas uh, in its revenge story, which is directly stated when Desu and Mido speak in the chat room, uh, and he gets called The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm. Uh, in line with the movie's main themes, Odesu's name is actually a reference to the Greek tragic hero of Oedipus, it, so Desu O, when you say it uh, in the Korean style, is O Desu. So like it, it yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we have Choi Min Sik discussing his character's strange way of talking. Physical or language skills improve when you use them constantly. If you don't use them, they deteriorate. Speech is the same. People who speak a lot speak eloquently. There are people who don't talk too much, people who don't like talking. These people talk slowly. The director thought about this and he put it in the script. I said in the script that I want to eat a living thing and that seemed realistic to me. I had to say it with my lips, with my voice and using my feelings. I had to express it like a person who hadn't talked for 15 years. It was vague, but I tried many things. Fucking A, man. Fucking A. He put a lot into it. So, speaking of putting a lot into it. Uh, the arguably most famous scene of the film, the long take corridor fight, took over three days to perfect, not shoot, just to get it right, with 17 different takes before they finally resulted in the one continuous take as it is seen in the movie. No CGI or editing of any kind was actually used for the fight itself. The only thing generated at all in that entire fight is the knife being in Odesu's back. Other than that, there is no editing. It is just panned, and it is one long continuous take that's cool yeah that is one of the best shots in cinema ever oh my god i love that scene so much <laughs> we can't get ahead of ourselves though we'll talk about it later <laughs> Louis talks about the writing scenes the assistant director told me that i had to write odusay's notes myself that was hard work the handwriting should be the same it's not an easy task i didn't write anything i wrote some pages then photocopied them of course i had to write the pages that were shown directly on the screen but when you turn the pages, you must see the writing on the pages beneath. I didn't have to write those pages. They were photocopied. What the fuck? <laughs> Random. That reminds me of uh, Seven, and they had to do all of John Doe's stuff by hand. Resurrection, you mean? No, no, no. <laughs> it's, uh, no it's, it's Seven. Nah, Nick doesn't get it. Oh, uh, okay. TJ's right, trying to get a fucking bite out of me. I'm not playing okay, that I was, game. All right. When he started laughing before I could react, I was like, oh, he's fucking with Brody for something. I got wait. <laughs> The episode we just dropped, I referenced that as well. (laughs) Uh, Fun. (laughs) Speed two, speed two. Um, (laughs) Troy Min-sik talks about his character, Odesu. Odesu's character is not just from the script. I thought of things that were not in the script. Odesu's character didn't begin to form when the script was finished. I started to think of Odesu when I read the original comic book. I was naturally in character, so I could behave like Odesu, even if the description was not in the script. Singing the school song and behaving like a dog in the last scene, those things are good examples. (laughs) Words that weren't in the script came out of my mouth without thinking. I was Odesu when we were making the film. I don't remember what I said in that scene. I went to the extreme. I did it until people said, please stop now. (laughs) I was just going with the flow. Maybe it came from my stage experience. It was like surfing. I was riding the wave. I like that style of acting. It's hard, but I like scenes that are long takes. I do too. Mm -hmm. So does David Lynch. Fucking A, man. It drives me nuts. Who gives a fucking shit how long a scene is? Indeed. In addition to the penthouse groveling uh, being mainly improvised by Choi Min-sik, he also heavily improvised and ad-libbed Odesu's drunken tirade in the police station at the beginning of the film, which was actually the last scene the director had scheduled to film. Min-sik had even improvised playing with the toy wings. Daesu had bought for his daughter and had intended for the camera crew to follow his legs as he was attempting to do a Michael Jackson-esque <laughs> moonwalk. 
Finally, a blooper was kept in the added comedic and emotional value after Minsick hit his head in the scene, which he catches me do reading his journals. <laughs> Just everything they did, they're like, put it in, put it in the movie. It's in the movie now. That shit was pretty funny. Oh, it's good. <laughs> Finish us. Alrighty. So the vast majority of the film was shot and completed locally in South Korea, of course, <laughs> predominantly predominantly within the cities of Seoul and Busan. However, the final snowy scenes of the film in which Odesu meets the hypnotist were actually shot near Mount Lyford in New Zealand. Director Park Chan-wook was taken with the scenery and sound so much that he captured the audio recording of the wind that is heard after the credits have finished rolling as he said, for the local Korean audience to hear. Any Kiwi things to say, Rudy? Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's actually fucking a bit of overkill to actually fly all the way to New Zealand just to film those scenes, but Peter whatever Jackson floats your boat. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was doing the research as well, people have like found the exact coordinates that they're standing at and everything and like have them in the... <laughs> <laughs> just have that out there <laughs> like uh oh and, and i guess one other the uh, phone number whenever uh he gets the information for what happened to his daughter while he was gone and he finds out that she got adopted and sent to stockholm and it's got the phone number on there apparently people because of course they did this started calling that phone number and found <laughs> out that at least for a while uh it would just give a message saying that it was requested to be turned off and that it would refer you to a different number and when you called that it was the the Korean embassy in Stockholm. Oh. <laughs> Jumping Jehoshaphat. Uh-huh. Well, boys, let's talk about it! <laughs> Favorite performance of the film, Nicholas. Take it away. Uh, can... Is it possible to say anything else other than Choi Min-sik? I mean, the character of Odesu, in order to, like, all the work that he did putting into that to, you know, make himself be able to talk like someone who hasn't spoken a word to someone in 15 years like that, and then just gets thrown back out into society yeah. a decade and a half later, it's <laughs> insanely good. Like, especially, especially considering the improvisational parts. Yeah. Like all the ad-libbing and everything that he was just so in character. He Daniel Day-Lewis it. Like, he really did. Um, I will say, though, uh, I really do like uh, Yuji Tae as uh, Woo Jin Lee. He, he plays a really, really good uh, mysterious villain, I think, that just kind of keeps you guessing. Like, why is he doing this for all the rest of this time? One moment. <laughs> He's dealing with his kitty cat right now. Okay, go fuck with that in the living room. All right. <laughs> I saw you react to the doing that I just heard, and I was like, what is going on? Oh, okay, he's flipping shit, attacking a toy. Under <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would have to say Troy Min-sik uh, is probably my favorite, and then Yuji Tae, uh, like special special mention to him, because I, I love his villain. It just keeps you guessing. Because like even when you find out he's the guy, mm -hmm. you still have half a movie of mystery left. And he keeps it going. There's definitely some well. uh, shades of Bateman in him. A little bit. Like probably what? a bit more like the book. Like the sh It's just like the showering and then like the naked uh, uh -huh. workouts and stuff. Oh, yeah. He learned how to do yoga for this movie. I also. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just stuff like that. It was just, you know, Bateman-esque. What year did uh, American Psycho come out? 2000. Ah, okay. So three years before this? Brody, performance. Home skillet. I would have to agree with Nick, uh, with Choi Min-sik mm. as uh, Daisuo. I mean, how could you not fucking pick him? You know, his, his portrayal of this broken man just wanting to seek vengeance is just so fucking believable. I find, um, you know, and watching him go down that downward spiral, I mean, of being locked up in a room for 15 years is just fucking crazy. He definitely catches the realism of that scene. Even the director and what he was able to bring to the table for that actor, I find. Um, I, what, what I really enjoy about his character is able to see, like, not only his mental health deteriorate, deteriorate but you know his appearance over the course of those 15 years and like how he yeah i don't know it's just something it's a depressing journey mm -hmm. and to see that to me is fucking filmmaking um and like i just said earlier i would have loved to have seen a whole entire film of him just being in this room for 15 years because it's really interesting to see how uh, like his performance evolve as 
his character's personality descends, if you know what I mean. There's that balance there. Um, and I will just give a huge shout out to his performance at the end when he's on his knees begging and then cuts his fucking yes. tongue off. That scene just really hammers it home for did me. Did you notice that that's foreshadowed earlier in the film? No, I did not. So when Mito's hanging and that group comes in, Mr. Park, and he's in there and he says, I'll cut your hand off for touching her breast. And he says, you cut my hand off. He said, what about my tongue? And then he walks out. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. And that foreshadows the ending of the film. Good call. There's a I lot mean, of, there's yeah. like a bigger buildup to that. Mm-hmm. Just overall, the, uh, he talks too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys, I have to agree with, uh, what is it? Min sick. He's awesome. The blonde-haired evil sidekick, Mr. It, Han, isn't there one in Rush Hour? <laughs> like a guy that looks I, like like a blonde-haired evil sidekick? Well, a guy looks just I like think him. Think so. Looks just like him. He is just ruthless <laughs> <laughs> and deaf. Yeah. Get when he gets those fucking scissors to the ear. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. He does. Also- he still goes after that. He's still going. Yeah. Like, until his boss puts a on cap down. in the back of his head for not, li- he for not listening to him. Too. It's gone. Oh fuck, Mister. Fine, God, and it just kills him. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. It, my brain immediately went to rush hour when I thought of that guy. I don't know. Anyway, favorite. For a set piece, we're all gonna say that fucking penthouse because it was awesome. No, Brody's gonna say different. Brody, start us off. I then. think I know what Brody's gonna say. Well, Nick, what do you think I'm gonna go with, mate? You're gonna go with that hotel room, aren't you? Yes, I fuck you, Dan. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's pretty good too. Look, I I am not going to disagree about the penthouse. The penthouse is fucking amazing. I give my left mm-hmm. nut to live in that penthouse, but. I mean, I just wanted to go with the room. And like I said previous, like just I would have loved to have seen a whole fucking movie of this character be in that room. There is, I don't know, it had me looking throughout each scene in every corner of the room thinking, what is the director like? The layout, what's he brought to the table of the layout to give this guy, this character to be in this room for 15 years? Like, what the fuck? This kind of matches with our next one, but just to kind of merge with what you're talking about with the penthouse there real quick. uh, How he kind of uses almost like a fisheye lens and then yes. has like a static shot so as what's his name juan jin what is it or the bad guy uh, the bad guy is uh uh Jin lee Wu Jin lee is walking there's definitely some debt in that shot because like he walks and he gets real close to the camera and then he just steps away and then he's really far like there's some sort of depth uh play going on there and it, i think that just helps with that setting i'm telling you man the cinematography in this movie is so fucking good. you know what i'm talking about that shot where it <laughs> yeah. starts where he's like standing and he's like really close to the camera and then he walks away and then he's all of a sudden yep. really far away yeah yeah and, and and it's good to see that the director and the cinematographer like really collaborated together with the interior shots of this fucking one room uh-huh. like to see what they were able to conjure up and display and exactly like you said the different display of lenses and mid close-up shots to whatever it was um it, it it's it's standard filmmaking but at the same time it looks fucking amazing um yeah i know there's something about filming someone in a tight space like this for me yeah. and watching them just say go fucking insane um yeah i, I mean the oh, i'll also say i'll give a men- shout out to the lighting of the room it was like lit in this really morbid mm-hmm. and depressing feel so that was just able to add that extra character about it um yeah that yeah i don't know it's, it's a definitely a moody moody piece for me what about you slick nick so um i am probably uh at least as far as set piece i'm gonna have to agree i think more with tj i really really that penthouse apartment that is a bond villains apartment like that is (laughs) patrick bateman mixed with no mr bond i expect you to die level it is just the set dressing is amazing Mm -hmm. the shots throughout it are so good it it really does lend off that that bateman-esque feeling that you mentioned earlier tj it really does lend to it quite well um also i'm gonna have to agree special mention to that hotel room Mm -hmm. i do have to agree they did because it does take up so much of the opening of the film like it's got to be good it has to be because it's you're gonna be staring at it for so long in the movie um but one little standout that i really liked actually was juhuan's uh internet cafe yeah that's such an early 2000s thing gringy dark 2000s internet cafe that he's running and it just it really lends itself to when we say goodbye to juhuan (laughs) (laughs) later on in the film the darkness the sort of oppressing like nature of it helps that scene stand out so much more in a 
movie of i think a lot of really good standout scenes um i think those are my main three uh the like sushi restaurant looks like a sushi restaurant because if i recall correctly they just filmed it at a regular sushi restaurant like and they were gonna rename it i think they originally planned to put a new name over the front of it and they were gonna call it akira but it was supposed to be not a nod to the movie but akira toriyama i think Mm. okay but uh i think tj's you already i mean i guess you already said yours right i touched on Mm -hmm. when birdie talked about the uh that one get you in depth in there yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so i kind of touched on it a little bit when brody talked about the penthouse stuff and i mentioned that one shot but yeah th- this film has crazy depth especially within the sets like brody mentioned the actors are really allowed to play within these sets and when you look at the contrast of how the film opens in this small really con- claustrophobic type room and then it finishes off in this really big and open type room it's kind of that contrast to go just to show that really the journey of these characters and also to show how different that uh uh, our good guy and our bad guy are it's it, it's nuts uh i love the penthouse the same way nick and brody do like nick said it's like a bond villain but it's i would put piranha in that, those water features and i probably use all tape yeah. recorders instead of cameras <laughs> real reels. but that's just my that's that's my sort of stuff uh yeah uh, no i'd keep the reel to reels man that's that's too cool uh i love all of that setting and stuff i love how creepy that jail is that where the long shot happens uh and he mm. fights all those people yep. I, oh, that yeah. jail, that hallway scene is just so fucked. Like, you don't want to be anywhere near it. it. No, it's grimy. It almost reminds you of, like, Hostel on the outside yeah. of the room. And, that, yeah. I, and I love that shot. Speak tr- Transitioning into favorite scene and shot, guys. I love that shot also in that same set where he walks in behind him, and then they do the lines to his head, and then he's slowly inching his uh, knife with his pinky. His oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> he's holding the, uh, just yeah. sitting there, looking at him, holding so, the hammer up, about to bring it down. So as my favorite shot, the aforementioned uh, weird fisheye, in the penthouse the the dots go into the head that shot's pretty cool and i think we'll all be in the agreeance of the long shot and the same set that i mentioned previously favorite scene i'd have to say that whole final bit was really cool uh Mm -hmm. just the whole the set piece tied with this the the sheer emotion of the scene just really all came together into really cinema so brody Mm -hmm. yeah uh look i'm gonna say the hallway fight scene Uh, it's to me, it's one of the best coordinated fights I've ever fucking seen in film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it, it just, it's just like one long take for roughly four fucking minutes. I mean, it's just that dolly shot from left to right. Uh, it's paced extremely well with the character. Um, just seeing Daisu just, you know, all, annihilating these men with hand-to-hand combat and a fucking hammer. At first, I was like, you know, this isn't going to be believable whatsoever, you know, your typical one-man army action Mm -hmm. film. But to an extent, they actually make it look so fucking grounded. Like, Mm -hmm. he gets hit, he has to stop for a fucking breather because he's so fucked. And then, (laughs) you know, and then he just, and then he's straight back into it, you know? And it's just, oh my God, it's just so fucking good. You know, it's just those little attention to details that make the film for me look so fucking good. But I couldn't help it when I was watching it, you know, as he's going through these levels, it felt like the Nintendo Donkey Kong, you know, as he's going through the building levels. <laughs> it's going back and forth and dodging the barrels. <laughs> yeah, dodging the barrels. It, it felt like that. Yeah, because going like, back and I, forth in that space, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what, and then, and then finally that elevator scene, like straight yeah. after it, when all the bodies fall out, I was like, that's just fucking awesome. I do like the quick cuts that, that, he, that he produces in this that creates, where it, Kind of is like yeah. instead of a cutaway, it's a quick cut to just a fast forward in time, just ever so a smidge, so you don't have to see it full on. I like uh, yeah. him shooting himself as a quick cut, and like mm-hmm. the whole sequence of him in the police station at the beginning is all quick cuts of him doing stupid shit. Yeah, yeah that's I, cool. uh, also Mr. Han chucking him through all of the uh, yes. display cases. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every time he comes at him, and it's to him getting launched through glass. Nick, but um, yeah, I, I'm okay. So I for overall scene, I'm gonna have to agree with Brody on the the corridor scene um that's one of my favorite scenes in movie history period um of course i am a sucker for long takes but like it's a long take in an action film where it doesn't like brody said it feels real even though he's taking on this many people like just the way that it's staged and blocked i can see why it took him three days to perfect it because he is doing the whole like trying to just keep it as one-on-ones he's pushing people off so he's not fighting six at a time at the same time while of course he's still getting swarmed inevitably but like i just love how it 
gets to the point where they're all lying on the ground. Everybody's tired. He's got the shit kicked out of him. They all have the shit kicked out of him. Everyone's like flailing. <laughs> like some of them are trying to scooch back away off the floor while he's still waving the hammer around while he's trying to back up and all of that. So like it just makes it feel that much more believable. And then my favorite shot, um, I think, is probably the one that they reused between the guy on the rooftop when he first gets released about to kill himself and he like grabs him and it's the same it's the exact same shot as uh Wu Jin yeah. trying to save his sister so like they paralleled that so good uh, so it's good. an amazing shot and just the only thing I think that overshadows it is the shot immediately following the corridor not the bodies falling out of the elevator but the him standing there the over the shoulder like wide angle lens shot of him smiling kind of laughing to himself before you it, it turns around to show that the elevator opened up to a whole bunch of more dudes <laughs> standing there waiting but like that over the shoulder shot of all the people writhing in that big mass behind him in the corridor is so satisfying as just the cap to that corridor fight i think it's the perfect way that that shot could have ended and moved on okay favorite effect and or death boys brody oh well there was a do you know what? There wasn't really too many deaths in this film. And I'm going to have to fucking go with... I'm going to have to go with the random man and the dog that f- kills himself while he jumps oh. off the roof. <laughs> it definitely caught me off guard. I was like, I couldn't help but laugh. Even though I fucking hate dog deaths in movies. Yeah. yeah. This was kind of fucking funny to an extent. Well, because it has my no morbid sense of humor. Yeah. I think it's just mainly my morbid sense of humor. But That's fair. also, I think oh, I read... I, I Yeah, I read some where that now I don't know if this is true or not and I try to look it up a lot of people say it is and some obviously don't know but this scene where the man like talks about oh sorry talks to uh, the lead actor on the roof apparently that scene was meant to go for a little bit longer and it was supposedly he was meant to say that he had fucked the dog and now that everyone knows he wants to kill himself but I think that the director had to cut it Did so it's supposed guys- to be another parallel to the incest rumor spreading kind of yeah. Y- yes, yes, it was meant to be like that. Huh. This guy is fucked up. I don't know if you want to cut this I, or not, TJ. Yeah, I didn't anything, see that little... anywhere, but I did not see that. I can imagine. But guess... Brody's head cannon. There's a cut of this movie where that guy fucks that dog. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> I won't. I won't lie. Yes, there'd be something deep down inside my fucking head but yeah it's it kind of it kind of makes you wonder why he um yeah he wants to kill himself because they obviously don't really elaborate on it mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of people were saying yeah the director was yeah he wrote that in and then had to fucking cut it oh so whatever so he did actually stay for a story <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I bit, do <laughs> Now my story gets up and immediately leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a cut where he gets where he sits down. And he goes, "Okay, so I fuck dogs." And then he gets up. <laughs> well, he doesn't actually say it like that. Okay. Supposedly, he sort of states it in a way that. The, at least the audience know that he did do that. Ah, uh, the roundabout. But why the fuck does he have to kill himself with the fucking dog? Like, if you're going to kill yourself, just kill yourself. Why do you got to do it with the dog? Then the dog's left alone. Yeah, but that's God just selfish. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, my favorite effect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn. Uh, uh, I love the blue ant coming out of the skin and then him getting swarmed. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. That is such an early 2000s thing. Mm-hmm. I-, I loved it. It was so It's gnarly. an Apex Twin video. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking A. But yeah, like, really not a lot of deaths. There's just a lot of carnage and a lot of damage done to our main guy here, Daisu. So, yeah, my fact, I love the ants. I think that's pretty rad. Death, our main guy killing himself, pretty out of nowhere, pretty nuts, but hey. He had nothing to live for if he can't fuck with Daisu. What else is left? Oh you know? yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a visceral with that quick cut. It really makes that yeah. like impact of him smacking into he the side of the elevator. Uses that much that that way of cutting things the same way that Edgar Wright uses it for comedic effect. Yeah, D- like it's uh, you know it's what I'm talking about. Kind of flashy. Cause, yeah, because he does that whenever he's oh. like uh, in hot fuzz when he's going through the fridge and shit. The train. Oh, uh, I was about to say getting on the train and everything. Yeah, and that just, also, like, the yeah. Cuts to showing him getting out to the rural and it's his he's losing cell service. Quick. Oh yeah, it's I don't know, it's a very interesting style. I think. But uh, but then again, you well. can see why Edgar Wright would have picked uh, the same cinematographer for Last Night in Soho if he likes that stuff. So anyway, anyway, just all come 
coming full circle. Boys, anything else we want to expand on favorite effect or death? I didn't give mine. Nick, Nick <laughs> uh, so my favorite effect is one ant, but it's not the many ants. It is the big ant that uh, Mido <laughs> in her hallucination. <laughs> it's just, it's so creepy. It's like so well done. It's like, hey, how you doing? I think that is one of the other, yeah. <laughs> from the other side of the train car. Like, it really plays into that, you know. Them. Because I guess it is the loneliness kind of thing. It looks like them. It's it's, it's just, um, it's it's all just a big Aphex Twin video, but I just, I like it. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, I think for death, though, the most brutal one to me um, was Ju Huan's. Yeah. Was, uh, was him snapping the CD-ROM in half out of the, uh, like, disc tray and then walking over and just absolutely eviscerating his throat with it. You don't even really see it because of how dark it is in that internet cafe, but that just, like, the tight framing of it and the, like, complete Again, almost lack of sound except for just the- is so bait at times because, like, the subtlety of mm-hmm. him ejecting the CD, putting it in his hands, smashing it into pieces, closing it, walking over, and just grabbing him and just- <laughs> destroying him and then walking away that's such a bateman thing you know it is it's like when it's it's like when bateman kills the the homeless guy i've i've seen something like like that in real life once and it was nuts boys thoughts on story this shit is hands down one of the craziest fucking stories i'd ever seen in a movie especially the first time that i ever saw it i think the only other one that ever hit me this hard was (laughs) chinatown like, think about it. Think about how close this this actually is to Chinatown. Serbian film. Dad's favorite movie. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I'm gonna I can't it. even watch that fucking <laughs> <laughs> shit. I cannot fucking no. <laughs> I will admit I have seen it, but only for the fact that everyone it's one of them films that you don't want to see, but you've got to see because cunts are talking about it. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I had to pause it like three times when I was watching it because it was just so fucked up. It, but yeah, I have I, seen it. I won't go rewatch it. Yeah, no. I walked in once to my, uh, my dad was watching some shit on TV in the living room. I came out. I was, he was like, a Serbian film? I'm like, dad, turn it off. He was like, really? I'm like, turn it off. <laughs> Do not watch if, this fucking movie. If that was my old man, I'd be like, yeah, enjoy. Watch that shit. <laughs> Damn. No, not, not mine. <laughs> not mine. <laughs> I mean, like, no. I, I couldn't finish that. This one, I remember the first time watching this, like getting to the twist and then to the end. I just remember going, what the fuck? What the fuck? And it just, like, it's getting worse. How does it keep getting worse? <laughs> like, I don't understand until actually getting to the, the ending. And I, I genuinely think the only other movie that really, really did that to me with just how the story played out is Chinatown. They hit a lot of the same beats like they really do. And it, I think uh, this and Chinatown were the first two movies I ever watched that I was like the bad guy gets away with it he wins there's no happy ending and sometimes like that's just realistic sometimes the bad guy gets away yeah yeah this film is yeah it touches on some harder subjects and definitely goes to some darker places but you know like the lead said when he was interviewed about it it, without doing or creating stories that go to those places you really can't grow as a creative and society can't really learn from these lessons and from these stories i think yeah it hits hard but it's it's all told in in a proper way and in a way that's really intense and it's impactful and i think that by the time the film's over it leaves a residue on you i mean i feel like i had to shower it was was gross but that means the film worked it means it's it did what it was set out to do and that means it was supposed to affect and it it, it did that Hmm. this is my first watch and it was cool there was suspense there was cringe and there's everything you want in one of these more extreme what do you call this i mean this is it's a revenge porn movie basically revenge porn movie essentially yeah you say it's a bit of a noir film to an extent as well if it was if it was darker i would but I think that, that it gets brighter as the film goes on. Uh, yeah. If there was, I, I get it because of the sense of mystery. So you could definitely say yeah. that it's noir. It's just you the way see. the story unravels, I'd say, is less. It's weird because it's. It, it doesn't fit one genre neatly. It's the I way that it that. plays with. Uh, the, it, it, the way it plays with imagery and mm. hypnosis and stuff is almost more Lynchian than it is noirish, if that makes sense. I could see that. But I could definitely see it with the mystery aspect and how it plays with some of the darker and touches on some of the darker aspects of stuff. It's almost dark in the same way that uh, Nightmare Alley is. Ooh, mm. Mr. Del Toro. One yet I have to watch. Fucking A. Yeah, uh, anything I'll, else you want to say on thoughts on story, Brody? Uh, yeah, I will just say that from a storytelling perspective, it is just, it's fucking, it's 
it's a masterclass in story fucking telling. I will say yeah. that the script itself, mm-hmm. the twist works extremely fucking well. It's so brutal. It's shocking. It delivers. Fuck me. Like that's how you deliver a twist. Um, it's just the icing on the cake really for this film. Um, a roller coaster ride of emotions. And it, like the director said, it just leaves you exhausted by the end of the film. Um, yeah. I look flashback scenes in films with me. Yeah. They mm. sometimes work obviously and they don't, but this, the, the flashback scenes in this and how it converts throughout the story definitely, you know, it 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 has a place in this script. The twist doesn't really rely on it, but you know, it, it's just it's great to see these flashback scenes. And it's just a nice touch, obviously, to see. More importantly, it works. Um, it's just such a grim fucking story, and it's something different in its own little weird and unique way. Um, yeah, I I love it. I overall I love it. Um, it's dark. I love dark films, like in its tones and things. All that shit. Yeah. I, look, I can't highly praise this film enough. If you haven't seen it, go fucking suss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let that go into our final topic, and that is impact and takeaways. Now, there's a lot of symbolism in this film. And as Brody said, it is a masterclass in filmmaking. I believe Brody's first time watching this was actually while he was at film school. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yes, you are correct. Yes. There's a lot of stuff in this film where you can point out and it's just be like, this is a prime example of this kind of shot, or this is the prime example of when to use this type of lens. And I think that this film is good for that. And it's a definitely a tool to use for up and coming filmmakers to really learn how to edit and how to piece together a film. Now we talk about those quick edits and those <laughs> weird symbolism stuff. Uh, I think that's something that's not used enough in modern film and I think that you kind of lose the heart of it all when you uh, don't have that much of uh... I just feel like a lot of work went into this. And you can tell through the story and through the script because there's so many parts that intertwine and, and weave together that whenever I watch modern cinema, it's not as challenging or as engaging as this is, if that makes sense. that That's kind of all I want to say, Brody. No, it's understandable. Yeah. The, the, yeah, exactly. And and like you were saying about those those meanings and undertones of the film – when you really break that down, if they weren't there in the film, this film would not really make sense because it's what helps push and drive. It'd that be violence film for nothing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Similar to um, what the point of like you were never really here and was that's kind of trying to make. Kind of like what other films in this genre are known for is the pointless violence and stuff. And I think that that's what makes this so effective is the fact that it gives you a reason. Exactly. And it's not told straightforward in traditional sense. It's told through flashback symbolism and various, uh, let's say, intense uh, imagery. Imagery. Just overall. <laughs> just like the, I mean, yeah, it, it, it would not be the same. And it, I think it would be a lesser experience without it. Fucking A. I, 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 I just like, like the fact that it's this character-driven fucking story with no boundaries. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it um, just... It, and, it, uh, it it showcases Korean filmmaking and the fucking talent that they have, and it really inspires me to watch more Korean films. Like I just really want to find that underappreciated Korean film that's not mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, and just yeah, enjoy it as much Dig as in. I did this film. Of yeah. all the yeah. regions that I watch, I you know I mostly watch European stuff. Uh, I don't really venture too far into this. And like Brody said, maybe this is a good sign that maybe we should start dipping our toes a little bit more into uh, these Asian films and the J-horror stuff. But make good movies, man. <laughs> I, watch, I watched The Host before. Is that a Korean film? The one with the giant tadpole creature? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is. I love that movie. And that's probably I love the that only movie. other Korean film that I watch, which we probably should do in a future episode. Uh, yeah, that's super fun we to watch because it actually has comedy in it. <laughs> And, yeah. Oh yeah, say, but yeah, uh, I mean, and you can definitely see, I, I think, a few points of impact. L- like we mentioned, um, Edgar Wright, and now is you know working at least in some capacity with the cinematographer, um, you know, in those the quick cuts and everything. Um, it's definitely drawn off of that. I do like the uh, the use of the the symbolism, the imagery with like the ant representing the loneliness and stuff. The only time yes. I can really think of of like a Western movie doing that sort of thing is the end of enemy spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen that Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal walking out of a room back in, uh, that he just left his wife in to come in to find a gigantic tarantula now taking up the room. 
That just, scene fucking scared the shit out of me. Dude, me too. I was like, that. oh, no. <laughs> when did this movie turn into that? <laughs> He'd been fucking Look. a spider woman this whole goddamn time. <laughs> just, I like the sigh, the resigned sigh he gives at it too that just caps off, that just ends the movie as well. But like, I can just see bits and pieces of things that just make that remind me of old boy or bring me back to it, like in movies that have come out since, but like it, it definitely, definitely has an impact. Otherwise I don't think, you know, they, they wouldn't have made Brody watch it in film school (laughs) or remake did a shitty American remake. Yes. With uh, Josh Brolin and Thanos. Not good. (laughs) Yeah. Not good. Sorry. I will just mention this, and I forgot to fucking mention it earlier when TJ read out all the Khan's awards and nominees. Mm. Uh, The film. Yes. The film won the grand prix. The Grand Prix at the 2004 Cannes Film Festival and was highly praised from the president of the jury at that time. It was director Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. He loves old boy. So I'm to get the feel. Oh, sorry, sorry. No. I was just going to go under the rating, but uh, no, that's all right. I was just going to say, do you think that my because um, you know how there's a lot of imagery of hands and all that shit in this? Like that's a bit of a throwback to like Tarantino's feet thing. Ooh. <laughs> Holy fucking Hail Mary. Oh, Quentin, yeah. Quentin was like, I like the body parts you put it in. <laughs> so this week's rating is Hammer Swinging and Sexual Fathers on a Revenge Plot out of five. Brody, take it away. 4.6. 4.6, Slick Nick. 4.5. I'm going to give it a 3.5. And that is an LCE score of 4.2 Hammer Swinging and Sexual Fathers with a Revenge Plot out of five for this episode and a preview for next episode we have kioma we're heading out west again <laughs> <laughs> is that 1976 yeah yep and a preview for next episode 1976's kioma we're heading out west again nick yeah we are <laughs> franco <laughs> franco nero and all once again <laughs> indeed uh, i go I'd go gay for that, man. He is stunning. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about that film and some of the more uh, feisty scenes in that. It it, it goes uh, some pretty... Saw that... uh, A little hairy. Saw that picture. You've talked it up. You've (laughs) talked it up. Yeah, you saw that picture earlier where he... Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I won't ruin it. I won't ruin it until next episode. And I will see you guys on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed the first three of the season. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. This is your doppelganger, Kanga Bang, all the way from down under saying, I'll catch you bitches next week. Slick Nick saying, thanks for our journey out east. Hope to do it again. And we'll see you all next week. Hit the music! Bitch. Okay. Kim Byung Ok, I think. Gotta get it. Kim Byung Ok. <laughs> 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 <laughs>